Welcome to the Alcohol Minimalist Podcast. I'm your host, Molly Watts. If you want to change your drinking habits and create a peaceful relationship with alcohol, you're in the right place. This podcast explores the strategies I use to overcome a lifetime of family alcohol abuse, more than 30 years of anxiety and worry about my own drinking, and what felt like an unbreakable daily drinking habit. Becoming an alcohol minimalist means removing excess alcohol from your life so it doesn't remove you from life. It means being able to take alcohol or leave it without feeling deprived. It means to live peacefully, being able to enjoy a glass of wine without feeling guilty and without needing to finish the bottle. With science on our side, we'll shatter your past patterns and eliminate your excuses. Changing your relationship with alcohol is possible. I'm here to help you do it. Let's start now. Well, hello and welcome or welcome back to the Alcohol Minimalist Podcast with me, your host, Molly Watts, coming to you from, well, it's a pretty low-key, sunny Uh, looks to be going to be kind of a perfect day around here. It has been sunny. It has been hot. It has been glorious. And while I know it's September now, and I know that the rain will eventually come, this literally might be the best month ever in Oregon. I think September is my favorite. Um, It's football season starting. I get to light my pumpkin spice candles legally, right? (laughs) And uh, the weather is perfect. So again, if you haven't visited the Pacific Northwest, this is your opportunity, folks. Today on the podcast, I am super excited to share with you a conversation I had with Ramon David. Ramon is the founder of Brain First. It is a company that is earth-grown, evidence-based nutritional products. He's also uh, the founder of the Brain First Training Institute, which delivers accredited applied neuroscience and brain-based training for it's dedicated to coaches, performance consultants, leaders, educators, and trainers. But he's just got a lot of experience in terms of talking about the brain, right? <laughs> I, 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 you'll hear me say to him, you're kind of all about the brain. Ramon spent years analyzing scientific literature, conducting research, and drawing on two decades of training and coaching experience and got his master's degree in neuroscience to take on these two projects that he's got. He's now also just started or changed his podcast to uh, called the Human Optimization Podcast, which I really love. He talks to world-class experts and they discuss science-based tools to help you optimize your own physiology and master your mind and unlock your potential. I just loved talking to him. Well, first of all, he's from Australia. So come on. I love talking to the Australians. Their accent is just so brilliant and it's so much fun. So uh, I think you're really going to love this conversation. And if you want to check out Ramon, all of this stuff will be in the show notes in terms of where you can learn more about products, about the the classes, um, and just more about all of the, the podcast in terms of just educating yourself on all the power of your beautiful brilliant human brain, which as you know, if you're around here long enough, is what I tell you is the key to overcoming 
your habits and to creating a peaceful relationship with alcohol. So here Mm -hmm. is my conversation with Ramon David. Hey, Ramon, thank you so much for showing up and for joining me here on the Alcohol Minimalist Podcast. It is great to be with you, and I really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks, Molly. Great to be here. Ah, so super exciting. I reached out to you, asked you to come on to the show, because one of the things that I talk about all the time is neuroscience and neuroplasticity and really understanding how to work with our brains so that they can, you know, we can work with them instead of against them in terms of at least in terms of creating a more peaceful relationship with alcohol. That's what I focus on. And for helping people, but I say all the time, it's it's really a meta skill and it's really about learning so that you can, again, use your brain in the very best way. And you are kind of a guy who is all about the brain. Is that fair? (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) So tell me about that. Tell me where you kind of, where this passion for neuroscience came from and a little bit about your journey. Yeah. So it's a bit of a long journey. Actually, <laughs> I, 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 I probably always had an interest in not necessarily neuroscience per se, but definitely in psychology, physiology, what's going on in the mind, what's going on in the body. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually started out way back. I mean, we're talking probably 25 years ago now, uh, in the health and fitness industry. And I worked in health and fitness for about 10 years uh, as a personal trainer, uh, then as a health coach, and then on the speaking circuit, used to fly around the world and give talks on health and fitness, and then got into training health and fitness uh, professionals. And during that time, as particularly when I was on the speaking circuit and traveling around and Uh, delivering seminars and workshops. I used to attend a lot of seminars and workshops and (laughs) kind of that was my uh, personal development junkie phase, if you will. (laughs) So I used to go around, teach, train, and then attend seminars, everything from hypnotherapy uh, right through to behavior change and uh, nutrition, all all sorts of things. And around, uh, I think I would have been maybe uh, late uh, maybe late twenties, early thirties, trying to figure out, okay, what do I want next? What's the next stage of my career? And I want so- wanted something that was going to not just keep my interest for uh, hopefully the foreseeable future, but was also going to leverage everything that uh, I had already done mm-hmm. working with people. Cause I love working with people and I love helping people. Uh, and everything to do with the the physiological stuff and also incorporate some of the psychology as well. And then I started to look a little bit closer at neuroscience and I kind of started to incorporate some neuroscience or what I thought was, you know, neuroscience-based uh, techniques, strategies, approaches with clients. But when I started to dive in a little deeper at this time, you know, we're talking like 15 years ago now, uh, there really wasn't much out there in the way of practical science or evidence-based strategies and approaches. You kind of had a couple of brain gurus out there saying, you know, Mm -hmm. the brain's wonderful, the brain can change, you know, it's amazing uh, and that's great. But, you know, what does that look like? What do we do? What are the steps? What's, What's the approach that we take? Or you had the sort of hardcore neuroscience, you had to dive into the literature 
you know, read a lot of papers, analyze the literature, figure out, you know, what, what was a good study, what was a bad study. And then, okay, yeah. how can I now turn this into something that I can use with my clients that, you know, when they're turning up saying, Hey, I just want this result. And I'm starting to talk about neuroplasticity or, you know, neurochemistry and they just kind of switch off. I'm like, right, I need to bridge this gap somehow. Yeah. Uh, and that's when I'm, I really decided to, to change careers. I went back, I did a master's in applied neuroscience. I started conducting applied neuroscience research studies and really diving in and sort of saying, okay, there's nothing here. Uh, maybe I do need to spend the next few years really diving in and and learning this whole field. Uh, and of course, it wasn't just a few years. It turns into a lifelong pursuit because yeah. neuroscience is such a massive field. Uh, and then from there, I started sharing a few things, uh, particularly with colleagues. And they're like, oh, this is great. Is there more? Uh, and of course, I shared everything that I could. And, and that was really where what is now Brain First Training Institute was born out of a really a frustration with not having access to things that I could use that were neuroscience-based with clients and even with myself. Yeah, well, there's a real, um, there is a disconnect between like, I mean, because neuroscience is great. Applied neuroscience is wonderful. And just like you said, it's, I mean, it's massive, right? I mean, what we don't know about the brain probably still exceeds what we know about it. But the disconnect in terms of being able to make that accessible to like the average human and make it understandable and applicable totally mm -hmm. you know still needs a lot of work i'm sure oh yeah absolutely and and even now when i'm creating uh, new programs or even content trying to get it out there i have all these different uh, approaches and frameworks to try and take what's in the literature and make it not just usable in a practical way you know give, have, it's got to have some utility but to be able to communicate that in a way that makes sense to people that they're interested in it and they don't just kind of switch off or well, there's so much technical jargon that they're just like i have no idea what you're talking about <laughs> right right just that glazed overlook like yeah totally exactly don't don't, don't care yeah. don't know don't want to yeah <laughs> yeah so that was when you know we started and and i was doing a a, a bit of coaching at the time still uh, uh even you know going through and doing the the degree and doing the research studies and so i kind of combined all of the things that i was interested in in this sort of neuroscience way and, and i think in the very, very beginning we called it like neuro coaching institute or something like that because i didn't even have a brand i didn't have a name for yeah. it or anything like that uh, and then of course these things evolve uh, it's now become Brain First Training Institute. Uh, I think about four, maybe five years ago, we launched the first uh, applied neuroscience certificate for coaches. Uh, we've now got a number of different uh, offerings and we essentially in Brain First Training Institute train coaches, counselors, psychologists, helping professionals, people in leadership position who use coaching in how to use neuroscience. Uh, and then a few years ago, uh, I, I thought, well, there's probably a whole bunch of other experts out there and, and I'd like to start connecting with them and talking with them and let's see if we can, you know, start helping people across a range of different uh, topics and things that I'm not an expert in, even in within this field of neuroscience. Yeah. Uh, we started uh, Brain First Radio and I started bringing experts on and uh, 
I think it was around that time I thought, well, I, I always wanted to have a product business as well. I, I've always been massively into health and human optimization. And uh, I didn't want to create, you know, just another supplement company that sells vitamins. So in fact, it took probably about 10 years to figure out, okay, how am I going to do this in a way that is evidence-based, is drawing on the good quality uh, research that we now have, uh, but is something that aligns with the way that I want to uh, approach things from a nutrition standpoint. And then out of that, uh, a few years ago, we formulated our first uh, nutrition product. We've got, uh, I think, a couple out now, a third and a fourth about to come out. And uh, so then, yeah, we've now got the Brain First Nutrition, the, the, uh, that other company. Uh, and then as we have spoken about, uh, we rebranded Brain First Radio into the Human Optimization Podcast, so that's kind of now my little uh, project, and and I really get to share a lot of information from experts. And we've got some solo, some more po uh, solo podcast episodes coming out on really what does it take to uh, be an optimized human being? You know, yeah. to as we say, um, optimize your physiology, master your mind, and unlock your potential. So mm -hmm. we've had. Uh, over the last uh, three or four years, uh, you know, experts from all around the world who are real, you know, leaders in in their in their respective fields, uh, and of course, there's a, a slight neuroscience angle on many of these episodes, and really trying to get that information out there in a way that's, you know, uh, again, it has some utility. We've got practical takeaways. What are things that people can do, and they you know, as they listen to the episode, they're like, right, I'm going to implement that and I can do it today. I can do it tomorrow. And it's going to make a significant difference to the quality of my life. And that's really what all of these things are, are about uh, is helping people to, to optimize their life, to live a more meaningful and fulfilling life that they enjoy. Uh, and hopefully one that is long and, you know, it also introduces this idea of health span, being able to to be healthy for as long as possible as well so that we can enjoy uh, life. Yeah. Oh, I love it all. I love it all because that's, you know, uh, while I tell people all the time, this podcast is dedicated specifically to people who are habit drinkers who are maybe either uh, for myself, I come from a history, uh, an adult child, being an adult child of an alcoholic <laughs> as well. And so this is definitely dedicated to helping people change that habit because that habit can be so, uh, disruptive in people's lives mm -hmm. and certainly does not help people um, create their best lives, right? But all of the stuff that you were just talking about, about especially about mastery of the mind, and because it's not about just controlling the action of drinking. It's not just about whether or not people are drinking because people do not turn to alcohol to, uh, to you know, out of, out of just a sheer habit. They do it because they are trying to change how they're feeling in the moment. And so understanding how they can mm. actually influence that, that option of how, what they are actually feeling by changing how they're thinking is something that was really kind of news to me in terms of, I really wanted to blame or didn't want to understand the connection. I liked to look outside and think that these circumstances in my life were what were causing me to feel X, Y, and Z, as opposed to realizing that I really had agency within that process to, ch to choose another perspective and that that perspective was really everything. So mastering the mind and really understanding that 
is part A. And then part B is really understanding the neuroplasticity and, and the neural reaction of habits in the brain and why the brain is so dedicated mm. to creating habits in the first place. Right. Mm. I mean, not mm. necessarily a bad thing, but it is a necessary thing or we, our brains wouldn't have enough energy to do all the other pro processing, but in terms of habits that don't serve us, right? Yeah, so yeah. Tell me about kind of what you see as the role of neuroscience and especially for people that have habits that don't serve them. Yeah, it's funny. Um, <laughs> one of the things I like to say about habits is there's no such thing as a, a good or bad habit according to the brain. We, right, yeah. we label it good or bad, or we could say it's helpful or unhelpful, beneficial, or not beneficial, but essentially the brain just wants to put things on autopilot as much as possible because I think primarily conservation of energy. Mm -hmm. you know, we, we evolved in an environment where food was scarce. Like we didn't have the, the resources that we do now. We didn't have the uh, availability of things like, you know, going to the fridge, opening opening a door and right. pulling out whatever food we essentially want or ordering something online and having it delivered in 15 minutes. Like that is a very recent thing. Mm -hmm. And so for the longest time, our brain has, and we still have, you know, we've got this million-year-old brain still, and it's going to probably take a long, a, a really long time to uh, change that as a, I guess, a, a core operating uh, uh, procedure, process, principle, whatever we want to call it. Um, but really we need to, our brain, our nervous system is all about energy management and particularly conservation of energy for survival purposes. And so it's like, right, this is a repeated behavior. I'm getting some kind of reward from it on a neurochemical level. Therefore I'm going to repeat it because it must be good for me. That, right. I mean, it's a basic way of looking at it, but we could essentially apply that here. I think yeah. one of the one of the really interesting things, and I, and I studied affective neuroscience for a number of years, the neuroscience of emotion, and it's what I did my first research study on, uh, is uh, the what's going on actually when we're pursuing goals and the impact of emotion on goal pursuit. One of the really interesting things I think is this mix of how emotions really impact everything that we do, and even emotions can become habitual. We find some, we find something about some kind of emotional state, like let's say it's, you know, uh, particularly uh, with everything that's going on in the last few years, we have, uh, uh, you know, quite a few people I'd imagine that uh, would be, you know, we could describe as feeling quite empowered to express their rage or when they express their rage. Mm -hmm. when they express anger, when they express some kind of really strong uh, emotion like uh, anger or rage. And they can people can feel a lot of a lot of control there. So why wouldn't we, if we're getting something like feeling a sense of control when perhaps we've been living through a time where we've felt our sense of control has been taken away from us, why would we not want to access that state again? Like it can feel very powerful to feel enraged, right? Right. It sometimes can feel quite out of control as well, but it, it is something that we have a level of control over and it's a very powerful state. So even something like that, well, I'm, I'm, experiencing, I'm experiencing some kind of emotion 
and and why would I not want to access that again? And of course, the more we access that, the more we strengthen those circuits associated with that state, and therefore it becomes that easier to access it in the future. Mm-hmm. And so again, we can even have habitual emotions. And so when we combine things like the power of an emotional state with the habit forming processes in the brain, we've got a really powerful combination that is going to almost draw us towards wanting to repeat certain behaviors. Uh, And of course, some of these behaviors can be very destructive. Um, In fact, I was reminded last night by my partner who doesn't really drink at all. And of course, living in Australia, we live in a culture where there's a lot of alcohol. Um, You know, it's actually really quite beneficial for me because it means that um, I don't drink much at all. Uh, whereas if you know she did drink, then it would be much easier for me too, just simply because the environment that we're in. Right. So uh, really, really quite fascinating to to have that. And and when we're talking, when you were talking about uh, the alcohol before, I was thinking, oh, what a great approach, alcohol minimalist. I'm not telling you to eliminate it, but there's certainly going to be some benefit in reducing it. And yeah. particularly because it, not only is it so powerful, but we live in a culture where, you know, isn't alcohol, it's probably one of the only drugs or definitely the top one or substance that alters our state, particularly our emotional state, that it's unacceptable if you don't drink in right. a social situation. You're right. the weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's so bizarre. It's such an odd thing. <laughs> no, it's off. It's it's uh it's quite comical. I was just talking to my my last week's guest was she's promoting or she's publishing an alcohol free magazine. And we were talking about that. I was saying that, you know, it's also kind of a it's obviously it's a societal thing, right? Because we actually like remember when, at least here in the United States, I definitely do. I've never been a smoker, so smoking to me is not something that was ever really of any appeal. But I remember very specifically when, in most places, public places in the United States, we went from being smoke, you know, like people could smoke in a smoking part of the restaurant and there was a nod, you know, right. And then it just got shut down. And then it was no smoking anywhere in like public spaces, no smoking on airplanes, no smoking, right, period. And... Mm -hmm. The, the smokers were like, I'm sure just like, what, you know, and but everybody else was like, Yahoo, like what took you so long? And mm. now, like if you went into someplace and you started to try to light up a cigarette, I mean, I, I really feel like people would be like, what are you doing? Like the, the, yeah. the tide has turned. Whereas back in the 1970s and the 1980s, everybody smoked, you smoked everywhere, you know? And it was, again, it was kind of like alcohol back then. Like, to be the non-smoker was kind of, you were kind of the yeah. odd man out. I really yeah. wonder, yeah. I wonder if we will get to that stage because alcohol is the number one drug of choice for people, a legal drug of choice, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's very interesting. We were having this very conversation about the smoking the other day. And uh, God, I, I remember when people used to smoke on the plane. Remember having that smoking section? It was like yeah. a curtain that they pulled across. I'm like, <laughs> like somehow that's going to work. Point of right? that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, it's crazy. Like you look back at some of these things and just think, what were we thinking? What, were, what was society thinking? Yeah. But yeah, I, maybe I, I don't know. Will we, 
please. Yeah, I think that I was, was going to say, I think that in, I, I really wonder if in 30 years, people will be looking back at this and saying, you know, looking at, at society now and saying, what, what were they thinking drinking all the time? That was like their answer. You know, I mean, I don't know. Hey, everyone, just a quick break in the show to talk with you about Sunnyside. Now you've heard me talk about Sunnyside on the show before. I've had Nick and Ian, the founders here as my guests. I am just so impressed with them. They are deeply mission driven. They are building a service to help millions of people create a healthier relationship with alcohol with no pressure to quit or feel guilty. So you know, they are very aligned with everything I talk about here at Alcohol Minimalist. I wanted to share with you some thoughts and comments made by people in my group and my clients who use Sunnyside. I checked it out and was pleasantly surprised. I have used a few tracking apps and despised them. But the support, the daily check-ins, and the plan, yes, the plan. I signed up for three months yesterday and actually looked forward to the check-in today. I have no doubt this tool is a step forward for me. I just want to thank you to everyone who recommended Sunnyside in this group and all of your advice throughout. I'm having the best start to a week of moderating since I fell off the wagon in January. You work the plan and it works. Thank you, everyone. Now, you don't have to take my word for it. You don't have to take their word for it. I want you to check it out for yourself. Go to www.sunnyside.co slash minimalist to get started on a free trial today. It's certainly the movements in in the world, or at least in the United States for sure. And I think in, and I think in Australia too, I have quite a few uh, group members that I talk to down in Australia and, um, you know, the, the sober curious and the, and the dryuaries and the mindful drinking movements and all of this helps at least have a conversation. One of the things that I really want to, work on with people and help people understand is because we have this kind of construct with alcohol where you're either broken and you can't handle alcohol, right? You're diseased, sick, you have a problem or Mm -hmm. you're like a normal drinker or you're sober, right? There's just like, there's just very, uh, there's, there's very minimal room or there's very little room for a perspective where we want to include alcohol in our lives in a, I say is a minimal way. And really understand the scientific trade-offs that we're making because it is an agent that affects our neurochemistry. So we have to be mindful about it. We really have to. And most people just aren't educated about it. And I don't think it needs to be some um, good, bad, evil, uh, you know, right, wrong, moralistic kind of discussion. It's just really an informative, educated conversation about how we include, if we're going to include alcohol in our lives, it really should be in a very minimal way because it's just simply not that good for us. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny. If I think back to all of the times when, you know, at the end of a long day, it's that, Oh, I could really use a drink Mm -hmm. state. It's purely just wanting to change the state that I'm in. And I know with so many of the clients that I've worked with over the years, regardless of whether it's alcohol or something else, it's so much of this is driven by the need to change our state. And I think if we 
began to learn how to regulate our emotions at a much earlier age, say in school, mm-hmm. that overall in our culture and society would be far better equipped to be able to manage things like this and and not not have that real draw towards a quick fix of well I know that within you know minutes of taking a sip I'm going to feel more relaxed and and it's going to change my state and in fact I I, I can even remember sometimes when you know, particularly if I've had a, a really stressful day, I've had a lot on, I probably had a bit too much uh, caffeine and mm-hmm. I want to change my state. I, I probably, if I really paid attention to what was going on and really was uh, quite mindful about the state that I was in, I'd probably get this, I, I get the sense that I wouldn't even need the alcohol to change my state it's simply the act of moving towards something that i know is going to change it that my brain is going to begin to change mm-hmm. i'm i'm sure that I would even start to feel more relaxed before the alcohol has actually even had an effect and i yep. think is the the insight in that is it's about changing our emotional state yeah and if we can optimize our physiology and move towards operating in a way where we have better self-regulation we have some emotional regulation skills we are acting more mindfully as we you know move throughout our day and just generally as we go about uh, you know acting on the world that we would have so much more i don't want to use the word control because we're an active participant in generating our emotional states, but we certainly don't control them. Mm -hmm. Uh, But let's just say we would have more agency. I think use the word agency. Yeah. Yeah. I think that it's, I think the thing that, yeah, just like you said, like I said, most people think that, oh, I just, it's just, I just come home at the end of the day. It's just a habit. I just pour open, you know, but in reality, if they, if they unwind themselves from that, that story of it just being a habit, they can, understand that what they are really trying to do is just like you said, they're looking for relief, right? From mm. the stress of the mm. day, they, they, they see that they, they, the, they have created a habit pattern and that they think that every time they think to themselves, I need a beer. Well, when you think I need a beer or I need a drink or whatever else, it, it automatically fuels the feeling of desire. That's what, you know, the brain's like, yeah, yeah. okay, great. We got that wired. Yeah. We know exactly how this goes. So it's understanding how that process works that I really work with people to uncover for themselves and understand because one of the terrible stories that we get told throughout our lives or the, just the, that's pervasive in society, mostly from the tenets of AA and other recovery programs in the 12 steps is that you're powerless over alcohol. You're powerless to change. And I just don't believe that one iota. I believe most people have the power to change. It is just another, it's a habit system that they've set up for themselves with alcohol. And uh, I know, I mean, myself, I had a 20 plus year daily drinking habit that was not serving me at all. And even though I walked around in this state of constant anxiety because of my alcoholic parent and believing that I had an alcoholic gene and that I was destined, you know, all of this. And none of it was true. It was just the stories that I told myself to keep yeah. me stuck in the habit, right? So, 
Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, but, but the neuroscience and the brain and understanding how my brain worked and how that habit system worked in my brain was really important for me to understand so that I could challenge those longstanding stories and core beliefs that were driving my feelings of, you know, and, and, and perpetuating the habit really. So that's Mm -hmm. why it's so important to me. That's why understanding and, and really, truly, like you said, I mean, mastering your mind and being able to become more emotionally resilient is something we are not taught in school. It is something we don't really understand. Most of us didn't go to school and become, you know, learn psychology and all, I mean, maybe mm-hmm. took one course in psychology, but we're certainly not um, brain psychologists. We're not understanding, we don't understand applied neuroscience. And so, but every single person, it's really my belief that every single one of us can benefit. And, and it's really, I mean, the, the heart of everything, it is how we feel about our lives, how we feel and perceive the world around us that is our experience in this planet, right? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> so without, without, uh, without understanding how it's happening, it's, uh, there's little, little chance of being able to really optimize yourself or optimize how you're, you know, just feeling about the world. Yeah, yeah, and, and and just having a little bit of knowledge about what's going on. Uh, I, I'm reminded of uh, a conversation I had with a podcast guest. Uh, I think it was about a year or so ago. And from what I know about the the uh, evidence on pain, chronic pain conditions, mm-hmm. that just learning about how pain works in the nervous system already begins to uh, mitigate some of the experience, if you will, of the, of the chronic pain, the chronic pain starts to reduce by learning about how chronic pain works. Yeah. Isn't that fascinating? That blows my mind. It's just amazing. It's still the, it's the brain at work. It's like, you're kidding, but it's also the kind of the same thing, kind of like you were about, about emotions. I talk about this with my folks because the brain, because our beautiful, I call it our beautiful brilliant human brains, we have the ability to step outside of ourselves and actually see our own thinking, see our own Mm -hmm. cognition, have that future-oriented prefrontal cortex. Because we're able to do that, um, really just being able to uh, articulate what a feeling feels like in ourselves. I talk with people like, you know, okay, this is like, okay, anxiety, like, okay, my Shoulders are tensing up. My heart's beating faster. My breathing mm-hmm. feels more shallow. And the minute that you start to just articulate that and do it, it, it really starts to dissipate just almost automatically. It's like yeah. amazing, right? I mean, yeah, but- this is, this is a core skill. This, this is absolutely a core skill. I think everybody on the planet has to learn is to generate a level of awareness when an emotional state starts to take hold and increase in intensity or change valence from unpleasant or pleasant to unpleasant or from neutral to unpleasant to, to generate some awareness around what's going on in the body at that time. And just the process of attempting to label that emotional state is going to regulate the emotional state Right. process. We don't have to get the terms exactly right. It's just, (laughs) It's just bringing some awareness to what's going on in the body and trying to label what's going on. 
that will have more uh, control over what's going on. We'll, we'll have more influence in this process of emotion generation. That is a core skill I think everyone needs to learn. And, you know, all of this to say, and I want to just, you know, as we wrap up this conversation, because honestly, you and I could probably talk for two weeks about the brain and never be done talking about (laughs) the brain, right? Um, Is that, you know, it doesn't have to be scary. It doesn't have to be like a, a situation where you're like, well, golly, there's just so much to know and so much to learn. Every small step that you take forward and really become just it, 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 increasing your own awareness of how this happens and what's going on. And you don't have to be a neuroscientist. You don't have to have a degree in applied neuroscience. You don't even have to be, a, you know, a, a science nerdy go- coach like me. I mean, you just really can get the, 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 the brass tacks here and really use the, those, those pieces to implement positive changes in your life that you can start right away. And that's what's so great about the brain. Mm -hmm. Nothing, Mm -hmm. you know, we are not at, we are not held hostage by what has happened in the past. We can actually create a different ending and we can revise that story. And it takes work and our brains love the old stories because they're well, they're well lubed paths down the brain, but we can do it if we, and especially just becoming more aware of it. Yeah, actually, it's one of the principles at Brain First. You don't have to learn everything about how the brain works to start to start using what you know. Take, you know, some of the information from from this podcast. Uh, you know, uh, put it into action. Learn a little bit more. Like it's not a it doesn't have to be an overwhelming thing. And and just use that to begin breaking the. Uh, patterns of behavior that you've labeled as unhelpful, not beneficial, and not serving you in what you're trying to accomplish and the vision you have for your life and your future. Like break those patterns. And I think that's really the start. Get some education, listen to some podcast episodes, start breaking those patterns, implementing what you learn. And then, you know, I think if we do that, and, and I take this approach to everything, to learning, to, you know, formulating a new product, to taking to to creating a new um, training program, like our, our master practitioner program that we just finished creating. It's taken me years to put that together. One brick every day. And yeah. then after a few years, you look back, or after a month, you look back and go, oh, I built a wall. Right. After six months, oh, I've built a room. Uh-huh. And then a couple of years later, you've like, man, I've completely changed the house. <laughs> yep. Know? Yeah. One brick every day. Yeah. I say that all the time with folks. It's not, you know, I don't want you to to succeed in a 30 day break from alcohol. I want to help you succeed in a lifetime relationship that is peaceful. And that, that takes work daily. Right. I I was saying this to, to, in, in, in content that I was creating, but people quote that Rome wasn't built in a day, right? Because when Rome was complete, everyone looked around and it was so magnificent. And of course, Rome wasn't built in a day. Rome was built every day, right? Mm. And that's how we that's how we do it. We build it every day. And you have to keep going. No two ways about it. This is not a, there's no end block in sight. But it, what I love about it is it, it can be really awesome. And I have found learning about the brain to be super exciting and really just, like I said, it's opened up so much more possibility 
for me in my life. And I think it's true for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. <laughs> okay, Ramon, tell everybody where they can find you. And I'm going to link everything in the show notes, folks. But where's the easiest places? Oh, God. <laughs> We've got such a list now across the I know. businesses. <laughs> um, I think the uh, look if if you're wanting some information, education, and just some general help and guidance in how to optimize your physiology, master your mind, unlock your potential, and uh, live a more happy, fulfilling, meaningful existence, and operating as your best self, go to ramondavid.com. R A M O N david.com uh that's where our human optimization podcast is uh and then from there you can find the links to all the other stuff to brain first training institute the supplement company the all the other stuff but i think if you're just wanting some information to get started or you're wanting to dive a little bit deeper into maybe some of the neuroscience uh then we've got a ton of free resources uh starting on that site there and then okay. you can from there you can link with me on social if uh, if you want to awesome so ramondavid.com folks i again will link that in the website um i link that in the show notes i mean and obviously uh you can find ramon and and his podcast is and remind i'm i've just lost it after i said that out loud because i, I want to call it brain first radio and i know that's yeah, not right anymore i know i know we've just changed yeah so it's the human optimization podcast human optimization so that sounds pretty yeah. you know we want to be, all be optimized folks so check it out 100%. available on all the major podcast players and ramon david thank you for joining me in the morning hours there in australia do appreciate it. And thank you so much. Thanks, Molly. This has been great. Thank you for listening to the Alcohol Minimalist Podcast. This podcast is dedicated to helping you change your drinking habits and to create a peaceful relationship with alcohol. Use something you learned in today's episode and apply it to your life this week. Transformation is possible. You have the power to change your relationship with alcohol now. For more information, please visit me at www.mollywatts.com.